Choices, choices. There are a whole lot of choices that are set before you and I on a day like this one. Too many choices, in fact. Not just New Year's resolutions and what they might be and whether or not to make them, but but more choices. Thousands more choices than that. Big choices and small choices, consequential ones and ones that don't really matter all that much in the grand scheme of things. Do you realize just how many choices that you and I are faced with today? Just to illustrate the point, I went to get a hamburger not that long ago, and they handed me my cup for the standalone Coke machine that was standing nearby. To order just a plain Diet Coke, the first screen had something like 30 different choices. Between all the different main brands of Coke products, the Sprites and the Mellow Yellows and the Fantas and on down the line, when I got to the second screen, it asked me if I wanted my Diet Coke caffeinated or non-caffeinated. And these days, you can ask for peach flavoring and lime flavoring and orange flavoring and on and on down the line. It was something like 300 different drink options that you can get out of that one little machine. And that only takes care of what to drink with lunch. Consider that in light of all the choices before us on any given day. With every passing day, there's more and more of them, it seems. So many choices that one social scientist has said that today's generations are positively distracted by their choices. So many choices. Distracted by all of the many overwhelming number of choices. You know, you can get lost in the sheer number of choices that are before us. New Year's Day, it seems to me, is as good an occasion as any to reflect on our choices. I dare to guess that many of us have probably been thinking about our choices already for this coming year. Even in our scripture reading for this morning, we see choices being made. Mary and Joseph making the hard choice to flee from their homeland to Egypt for safety. A choice that that anyone would have made to protect their newborn, I imagine, but a difficult choice to follow through on nonetheless. But the choice that I'm more interested in here today is King Herod's choices. Because he chose, because the choice that he makes to pursue the death of this newborn Jesus, the choice that he makes to prioritize his own accumulation of power beyond all else, strikes me as a choice of a different kind than the one Mary and Joseph are making to protect the life of their newborn child. And Herod's choice or choices, strike me also as very relevant to what I've been talking about through the duration of this season of Advent and Christmas as we've been reading through Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol together. 
That book, as we have surely seen by now, is, if anything, a book about choices. And not just any sorts of choices, mind you, certainly not casual or meaningless ones. This book is about existential, life-determining, course-determining choices. Throughout this book, we're given an up-close and personal insider's look at, at choices in Ebenezer Scrooge's life and the cause and effect of those choices as they play out from his youth all the way to the grave. Not all of them are choices that he could help so much or choices in which he had full control over the alternatives at his disposal. But as we've gotten to see where it was in the story that Scrooge was allowed to make critical choices and how those choices played out in his life. We have gotten to see a few of those in in the spotlight, I believe. Some of Scrooge's choices are choices for how to survive with the cards that he was dealt. Some of them, though, were about who he wanted to be what he valued the most, and what direction he wanted his life to head in. And these, I believe, are the really important existential choices that Dickens wants us to see and focus in on. What has Scrooge done? And what will we do when we're coming across these sorts of choices? And so as I close out this sermon series today, I single out King Herod in this scripture reading because it seems to me that of all the choices being shown to us here, his are of all, his are of this more existential and character and course determining sort. He's like Scrooge in a way. Like Scrooge before Scrooge was unscrooged. Herod is making choices about who he wants to be and about what's most important to him in this life. Choices that are revealing of of big decisions that he's made about himself and the course through life that he hopes to track. Entering into a brand new year is a perfect opportunity to think through those sorts of choices and to be intentional about what choices we want to make and how we want to reset our course as we look ahead to a brand new year. Now, whenever we open up the subject of choices, we inevitably rub up against the topic of free will. And you may know that 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 is a somewhat controversial and complicated topic among Christians historically. Some believe that you and I really don't have much in the way of true free will. In their thinking, our our freedom to make real and important choices is more apparent than real. And truth be told, they do have a point. We don't, after all, have full control of all of our choices or circumstances in which those choices are presented to us. And more than than we have any more than we have full control of of outcomes or even that our choices will materialize into the sorts of things we hope they'll accomplish 
Consider Scrooge. When the ghost of Christmas past takes him back in time to look at the Christmases of his younger years, and we, we see him there all alone, year after year, clearly hurting from his lack of connection. Lack of connection with family, lack of connection with friends. All of those are nowhere to be found. Is it really a choice that's within his power in that moment to will himself into a different reality? To will that pain away? To will that loneliness away? To make those meaningful connections he's only partially empowered to make? Or to will those relationships into being when he doesn't have the first clue how to do that? No, there does seem to be some limits on the choices that the young Scrooge is able to just will into being. He does not have perfectly free will. Now that doesn't mean necessarily that all of his choices are predetermined for him as if he's walking through life in some predetermined plot line that he has no control over, but it does mean that there are significant and real constraints on Scrooge's will and its freedom to make just any old choice he wants to make, and especially the best choices, given that for most of his life, Scrooge lives without the perspective he needed even to know what those are. To add to that, the more substantial point that those Christians who don't put much stock at all in free will want to make is that only a being that is unconstrained by the circumstances of time and space. Only someone or something that is that has some influences over the circumstances of those choices, and with the ability to see those choices through to certain conclusions, and without death and as a limiting, constraining factor, only such a being as that can truly be called free. And only God fits that description. They're not wrong. There's some insight there to consider and to learn from, but, but then, then there are other Christians that don't follow that logic through to such an extent that they, that they don't see us humans as making no meaningful choices at all. Despite some real limitations and constraints and notwithstanding God's perfect freedom, they see that there are junctures in life where we are all presented with meaningful choices about which roads to take. And somehow, despite our limitations, we do make real choices. And the realer they are, the more we need God's help in making them. They might even say that we're borrowing God's freedom to make those sorts of free choices. Consider Scrooge again even though most of his life seems to follow an inevitable course of a, of a tragic story, heading deeper and deeper into despair, leading to cynicism, leading, well, to Scrooge. The whole story, the story as a whole, more or less, holds us for most of its length in a moment of choice for Scrooge. 
Most of this book is held up to us as the moment of Scrooge's big decision, isn't it? In view of all of his life in review, what will Scrooge do now? Whether it was intentional or not, I think there is something profoundly insightful about the the way Charles Dickens narrates this one true moment of choice for Scrooge throughout this book. And, And that point is simply this. Scrooge needs these spirits. Scrooge needs these ghosts to usher him along in his one real choice. His one real course-determining exercise of freedom. Without that help to see his real choices, Scrooge just remains stuck in his old frame of vision, in his old tragic story that has very limited range and very limited possibility for where it might head. These spirits are the only thing offering Scrooge perspective and a real set of options about what his life might be and where it might be going. That's the only true moment of freedom in this whole story, really. All else is just Scrooge stuck in a rut. He could have stayed stuck in that rut. King Herod apparently found his rut and rode it through to the very, very end. And the more you know about his story, the more you know that's true. So then, as we conclude this series together, in A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens ends up painting a picture of our freedom of choice, I think, that is both powerful and forceful in its application to us in our day-to-day lives in the real choices, in our real choices, the existential choices, the choices that are more meaningful and consequential than what to drink with our lunch, how will you and I take advantage of that freedom that's only truly available in the spirit of the living God? How will you and I learn to rely on the freedom of God to steer our course toward that true freedom Liberating freedom. Freedom from the ruts our lives so naturally fall into when it comes to the choice that really matters. Choice that we need God's help to truly see and certainly God's help and empowerment to live into. What is the choice that we will make about the road our lives will follow? You see, we are presented with real choices. Our lives are not completely determined from beginning to end. God holds out God's hand to us continually as an invitation and as strength for the journey and asks us that we come along. We can choose to stay in our ruts. That is our free will. We can reject that offer, we are free enough to refuse true freedom. But when the Spirit of God comes knocking on the doors of your heart in this coming year, I pray that you won't turn it away. The moral of this story at the end of the day is to be 
like Scrooge. To be like Scrooge. To accept the offer when it comes. To make the choice that the Spirit is putting on offer. And so when it comes to the real choices of the year 2023, may they be the choices of God leading us towards freedom. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.